Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Thank you for reminding us 
of His Holiness this morning. And thank you for being here. We're so glad you're here on this beautiful, sunshiny day. Uh, and we thank you for choosing to worship with this church family, especially if you're a guest, we welcome you. And I would invite you to stop by the Welcome Center and pick up a gift that is out there for you. There's a bag on the corner of the Welcome Center. Just pick that up. And it has a gift in it, and it has some information. But we are so glad that you have joined us, all of you, for worship today. And as always, we pray you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit as we worship him today. We welcome those who have joined us by live stream. Thank you for joining us as well. And we pray that you feel the presence of the Lord today as we worship him. Right now, I want you to stand and just greet those around you in the name of the Lord. And then we're going to sing glory to his name. <laughs>
thank you for singing so beautifully. Let's continue together as we sing Majestic.
You may be seated. Wow, what a powerful song. And I know some of you all were raising the roof, lifting his name on high. And what a great day it is to be in the house of the Lord. We welcome you. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we give you a special welcome. We welcome those of you who are worshiping with us online today. Thank you for tuning in to be a part of what God is doing in this wonderful church. I'm so grateful every week we have an opportunity, if you feel led by the Holy Spirit, to come pray at this altar. You can kneel, you may stand, you can place an arm of encouragement around someone, you can stand, pray from your seat. Wherever you're worshiping today can be your altar, but we know God is able. I hope you all have still been claiming that, and you believe that God is able. And today, if you would like to tap into his power that is immeasurable, that I invite you to come join me as we pray together. Won't you come pray with me today? together. God, what a great day it is to be in your house, to be able to sing praise with your people. Lord, we lift your name on high, and how majestic 
is the name of the Lord on this earth. And Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would just flood this place and flood our hearts and flood the hearts of those who are watching today, that we might feel your presence wherever we may be. And Lord, we pray a special prayer for those who are at this altar, those standing, those who have heavy hearts, burdens, worries, fears, concerns, anxiousness, addiction, anger, unforgiveness. Oh, God, meet us right where we are. Father, we pray today that our hearts and lives would be transformed, that, Lord, there would be a new person that would come from our faith in you. Lord, we pray for those who are grieving that you would comfort them. Father, we pray for those who are battling health issues. We know, oh God, that you're the great healer and the great physician, and all things are possible for those who believe. We give you praise, God, for successful surgeries this past week. We pray, God, for those who are facing surgeries in the days to come, bring them safely through. Father, we pray for folks that are battling long-term illness, and we pray for a miracle of healing because we know you are able. Father, we pray for Ukraine, that you would just put a hedge of protection around them, Father, and, and bless those folks who are fleeing for their lives. We pray, God, for our country and for our leaders for guidance, Father, and pray that our nation would turn back to you. And we pray for revival and spiritual awakening in this country that would spread all across the world. Father, we pray for, again, families that are suffering today, families that are hurting, families that are divided, relationships that have been severed, reconcile and bring healing, Lord, I pray. And Lord, if there's someone here today or someone watching and they've never fully given their heart and life, fully surrendered to Jesus, may today be the day of salvation for someone that they would acknowledge their sin that you, they would ask for forgiveness and that you would come into their heart to be their Lord and Savior and they would begin to walk in newness of life. Father, I just thank you again for this beautiful time that we can be together. Bless every person here. Remove any distractions. Father, anything from our hearts and minds that might hinder our worship so that there would be a direct and open path from your heart to ours, from our hearts to yours. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you, and we pray all these things by faith in the strong and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to John chapter 14? This is a passage I know in past times that we have shared from before, and I've shared it on many occasions at a funeral service, but it's certainly a powerful text that I don't think we can hear 
too many times because it's from Jesus. Jesus is sharing these words. And I pray they would speak to you. And after the reading of God's word, would you be in prayer for our choir as they come to lead us? Thank you all for being here today. All the musicians have done a beautiful job leading. We'll begin with verse 1 of John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh. 
while I'm changing the batteries. We're going to multitask. How about that? But so many times we have false promises that if we do these things or buy these things, that our lives are going to be different. And so many times people with good intentions make promises that they cannot keep. Some politicians make promises that they sometimes cannot keep. Sometimes... Husbands and wives make promises that they cannot keep. Sometimes parents make promises they cannot keep. Sometimes children make promises that they cannot keep. Sometimes coaches make promises that they cannot keep. Some, why is that funny? Sometimes people, sometimes players make promises they cannot keep. Sometimes People battling addictions make promises that they do not keep. I'm sorry to say that even sometimes Christians make promises that they do not keep. And very sad to say that even sometimes ministers make empty promises. You know, years ago, there was a hit song in 1990, not that I ever listened to this band, but it was on the radio, 1990, there was a, a rock band by the name of Poison, and uh, they had a hit song. Do y'all remember what it was in 1990? Well, that's one of them. <laughs> Give me something to believe in. Do y'all remember that song? Nobody remembers that, but I promise it was a real song. And... In this song, the lead singer, Brett Michaels, was questioning God. He was upset because he had lost a very close friend who had died in a motel room. He was upset because he had a relative who had been injured in war, and he was questioning why this happened. He, he also was questioning some, at that time, tele-evangelists who were taking people's money, promising that they would be healed or promising that they would be saved. And he was really just questioning his beliefs altogether. Give me something to believe in. And today I pray that we not only can give you something to believe in, but that we can give you someone to believe in. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. And... I felt led after praying about in these next few weeks before Easter to start a sermon series called The Promises of Easter. And in the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the promises that Jesus gave as he was approaching the cross and ultimately the resurrection while we celebrate Easter. Did you know that Bible researchers say that there is somewhere between Seven and 8,000 promises that God has made from his heart to us, his people, to his children. Between seven and 8,000 promises. And, and let me tell you, maybe someone else has lied to you, but God will never lie to you. He keeps all of his promises. You can count on that. Many of his promises have been fulfilled. Many are continuing 
to be fulfilled each day that we live. But today, we do have someone that we can believe in. In our scripture passage, we see Jesus in the upper room with his disciples after teaching them servanthood by washing their feet and humbling himself and teaching them humility and giving them the commandment of loving one another as he has loved us. And all by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He had just shared all these things. And then Jesus shared these beautiful words found in John 14. He was giving them a promise. And today we're talking about the promise of a place. We all long for a better place, don't we? You've heard me say repeatedly that this world is not our home. This is just a stop on our journey home. If, if this is all that, that it is, then we're hurting for sure. But praise God, when we're in Christ, there is some place much better than this old world in which we live that we will be one day when we know Christ personally. And so today, I pray that you would find someone to believe in and that you would place your faith and trust in him. And when we do that, we have the promise of a place. Jesus said in verse 1 of John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Well, today the first step is not to let our hearts be troubled. And when he said this to his disciples, their world was about ready to turn upside down. As a matter of fact, things were going to spiral downward quickly. And Jesus was saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Why were their hearts troubled? They had just received some disturbing news. What kind of news had they just received when he said, do not let your hearts be troubled? Well, look in John chapter 13, verse 18. said, the one who has shared my bread has turned against me. The first bit of disturbing news was one of his closest friends, one of his disciples, was selling him out. He was betraying him the one that has shared my bread. And if you would look back in Psalm chapter 41, verse 9, David was prophesying about this very thing. As a matter of fact, Jesus was quoting what was said in Psalm 41, verse 9. But not only were they disturbed that one of their own was going to betray Jesus, who had shown them love and humility and servanthood, but now he was sharing some other disturbing news in John 13, 33, when he said, my dear children, I will only be with you a little longer. And they're like, where's he going? What's, what's happening? And then he went on to say in verse 36, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow me later. So this was disturbing. They were troubled by this. Jesus said again in John 14, 27, almost the exact same thing. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I'd be willing to say that many of you are here today and you are troubled about something that's going on in your life. I mean, for the last two years, we've been troubled, haven't we, by a worldwide pandemic and the 
crisis that we've been through, and we've all been troubled. I mean, we were troubled about having to wear masks. I, I also was was sent a, a message that that I don't know if you all heard that the CDC has recommended now when we go to the gas pump, we should wear a mask like this. <laughs> because so many times we get troubled over prices of gas or, or prices that are going up. And so many times we are troubled about a family situation. We're troubled by something at work. And we have trouble all around us. But yet the comforting words of Jesus, it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And I pray for whatever you're going through today, know if you've received some disturbing news that Jesus, as he tried to calm his disciples, can calm us. But I love what Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that great preacher of old, said that great hearts are made from great troubles. And many times it takes great trials to bring about great faith. And maybe today we don't understand what we're going through, but God has a plan and he's working all things out for your good, our good, and for his glory. And so do not let your hearts be troubled. This past week, um, my wife and I and my son Isaiah, we had gone to, to eat lunch when my daughter Sophie sent a text that one of her teachers had received a call while in class and said instantly she began to cry. And as the conversation went on, she visibly was very upset and then started weeping on the desk, talking out loud, clearly, angrily, come to find out that a very close friend, maybe even a, a college roommate or best friend, had lost a child, had lost a son. And her heart was breaking and her heart was grieving for her friend and their family and the loss of their son. And it was disturbing news. And, and it made me think there's nothing that will be able to replace her son, but the comfort of God can help you and me when our hearts are troubled. We lean upon him because our strength is not enough and so Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Secondly, he says, trust in God, trust also in me. Today, we must trust and believe in God and believe in Jesus Christ. That is our faith when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. This is the antidote for our troubled hearts and broken hearts and troubled spirits when we place our faith and our trust in him. So many times we have shared out of Psalm 56, 3, when David said, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Passages that you all have memorized through the years in, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's our faith. That's why we trust in him for things that we don't understand and, and things that we cannot do on our own. Do you have that kind of faith today? Do you have that kind of belief today? Do you have that kind of 
trust today. No, I remember when I was a young person in youth group, and some of you all maybe have done this, and I've shared about it. We had a, an exercise we would do, maybe at a retreat or, or on a, at a camp, where we would make a circle, and then one of the students would get in the middle, and it was called the trust fall. Do you all remember that? Where, where you would just fall. You didn't know which direction you were supposed to be caught. Could I have a volunteer from the congregation right now? Y'all remember how that worked, don't you? Sophie, come up here and do this with me. My daughter's going, no. <laughs> but the trust fall basically is when you just fall backward and you trusted the person with your arms out and you just fell back and you trusted that the person was going to catch you. Isn't that what we're supposed to do in our relationship with the Lord? We're supposed to fall back in his arms, trust in him that he's going to catch us and that he's in control. And when everything else is falling apart around us, we just fall. I've told you many times, we all are guilty of having yo-yo faith. We give something to God and we take it back. We roll it to God and we bring it back. We constantly, I, I trust in you, God, but yet I'm going to carry this burden and I'm going to carry this worry and I'm going to carry this fear. But that's where our faith kicks in. We give it to him. We fall back into his arms and know that he is in control. Also, while we were eating lunch on Friday, uh, this past Friday night was a girls' night out, the devoted uh, women's conference, which went really well. It was a, a room full of ladies excited about worshiping Lord and and so grateful, there was beautiful music and, and a wonderful speaker and a sweet fellowship among the ladies. I, I had the privilege of sitting in the back and just taking it all in. And, uh, but while we were eating lunch on Friday, my wife gets a text from Michelle Niedert, who was the speaker, and she said, she's from Texas, but she had a flight that flew into Charlotte, North Carolina, and then it was supposed to fly, and she said, I missed my flight. And she said, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And I'm like, Kelly, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What's, what's happening? And my wife, cool as a cucumber, she said, God's going to take care of it. She said, I'll share my testimony and if that's what God wants me to do, I'm okay to do it. I know the Lord. So if you could make sure you pick up the girls from school, and I'm going to go work on my testimony, and I know God is in control, and he's going to take care of it. Wouldn't you know that Michelle found another flight? Not into Lexington, where it had been scheduled, but into Louisville. And it was going to be coming in at 5. The doors open for the conference at 6. Things were going to start Route 7. And so not only did I pick up the girls, Kelly said, Todd, I'm trying to get things. Can you go pick her up from the airport? And I said, yes, ma'am, I will do it. <laughs> so I'm waiting outside the terminal thinking that, you know, where is she? She's, are they delayed, the flight coming in? I'm, I'm sitting. I'm seeing people 
love and hug on their loved ones, and they walk on in. I'm sitting there. I didn't know there was an upper terminal and a lower terminal. <laughs> and I'm there waiting, and I'm texting my wife, where is she? Where? What's going on? Why hasn't she come out? She's wearing this pink, you know, wrap or something. I said, I don't see anybody in pink. So finally, like light bulb moment, I go around, and so then we exit, and I go the wrong way on the Watterson. <laughs> we get turned around. My, my daughter, Ann Catherine, is with us, too, and uh, we're, she's just talking away, enjoying the ride, and I said, I'm going the wrong way. <laughs> Turn around, get back on the right way. Anyway, we get her here on time, and when I came in, Bill Tabor was helping greet and usher, and he said, Todd, I have to ask you this. Did you exceed the speed limit when you were coming back? <laughs> and I said, I'm in church. I can't lie. I did a few times. <laughs> but praise God, it worked out. But you know what? When we place our trust in God, he always works it out. He always works it out. Even sometimes when we are headed the wrong way. Something happens in our lives that gets our attention and we come to the realization, I'm going the wrong way. And God is going to work things out if I can get back on track, get back on the road where I need to go. That's where our faith kicks in. Trust in the Lord. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, here's the third thing. There is a place that's been prepared for you and for me. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Now, when he said, I've gone to prepare a place for you, and my father's house are, are many rooms, he's literally talking about heaven, dwelling places. Jews had a belief that there were different grades of blessedness. There were different levels, maybe, of blessedness, that if you had lived a holy, righteous, good life, and, and you had lived a life of fidelity that, that you might get a better room than somebody else. I've shared with you all before, I'm, I'm very pleased to just make it to the basement. Amen. I just want to be there. I don't have to have the nicest room. I just want to be there. And some believed when it said this again that, you know, when Jesus said to the criminal on the cross, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise, that he was referring to some dwelling places even on this earth. And as, as time would, would get draw closer to that moment to be in glory, that again, that uh, degrees of blessedness. And again, I, I think it, for me, my interpretation is, is that when we went out of room in our earthly dwelling places and when you go to the motel and they said no vacancy, there's always room for you and me in heaven. God, our Father, has opened up room for you and for me, regardless of who we are or who we know, except for Christ. And he has opened up a room 
for all of us and know that he's prepared this beautiful dwelling place there. But Jesus said, if this were not so, I would have told you. Jesus was always honest and upfront with his disciples. I mean, really, he made it clear from the get-go what the cost was in following him. Jesus said in, in Luke 9.23, which we quote quite often, he said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, they must first deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. He also said, you can say goodbye to comfort. Now we look in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 and 58. One day as they were traveling down the road, a man came to Jesus and said, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes or dens, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So he was saying it wasn't going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. You can say goodbye to comfort, and he was saying you can say hello to persecution. If you would look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, Jesus said, Everyone who chooses to live for me will be hated by everyone. But whoever stands firm till the end will be saved. Did you know because of our relationship with Christ, we're going to be hated by the world? Because we're trying to do the right thing? Because we're trying to live out the truth? We're going to be hated by the world because the way of a follower of Christ is different than the way of, a, of the world. The world says anything goes. If it feels good, do it. But we know for believers, we must trust him and we must obey his word. The way we let him know that we love him is by obeying his word and living it out daily in our lives. And I pray today that you would know that Jesus is promising a wonderful, beautiful place for those who place their faith and trust in him. Do you know him today? Have you made your reservation? Have you, have you planned for that time when our old lives end on this earth? And then what? What's it going to be? He has gone ahead of us. He is the forerunner preparing a beautiful place to get things, or just like you might prepare when you have a house guest or a relative coming. Everything has to be clean and everything has to be said and everything has to be ready and you put your best foot forward. That's what Jesus has done. He's cleared away. He's gotten everything clean. He's, he's forgiven you. He's forgiven me and he's prepared a beautiful room, a beautiful mansion, a beautiful place for you and for me to abide for eternity. I don't know about you, I want to be ready when that time comes because none of us have the assurance of tomorrow and that's why we get ready today. And I think about what it's going to be like one day. I, I quote it quite often, but I think about Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance 
the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We keep on keeping on with our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. They're cheering us on. There's not a day that I don't drive down Shady Lane or Old Frankfurt Pike, whichever you want to call it, that I don't think about all those folks that have gone before us that are cheering us on. You know, I pass by, I think about Billy Wright, Wanda. I, I think about Nola Reed. I think about Judy Smith. I think about Maxine Herod. I think about Bill Godby. I think about Iona Lee. I think about just on that stretch, all of those who have gone on, who are waiting in heaven, they're having a reunion right now. But until we get there, they're cheering us on to keep on, stay in the faith, stay in the race. And I think about my dad that I'm going to see again one day. You're thinking about your loved one that you're going to see again one day. And what a day that will be. But Jesus has prepared a beautiful place and if you want to get there, you have to place your faith and trust in him. Verse 6 that we did not read out of John 14, when Jesus was asked, we don't know where you're going. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in order to get to God in heaven, we have to know Jesus. He's the bridge. He's the one that brings us together. Our sin causes us to fall short. And this gap, this, this uh, chasm here is, is death. But when we place our faith and trust in him, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and I want you to be there one day. I want all of us to be there. It would be a shame if you left here today without knowing him. It would be a shame that if you gave your life to him a long time ago and you've been influenced by the world and its ways and, and your co-workers or even the people living in the same house with you can't tell that you're a Christian or your teammate or your classmate, you're acting just like they are. We're called to be different. We are the salt and the light in the world. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy we will be persecuted because of Christ, but it can't compare to what he did for you and for me. And I'm challenging you today, before it's too late, to come to Christ. Give your heart and life surrendered to him. Christian, come back home and know that you can start a fresh new start today. You can have a new beginning today. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you to be a part of this church. This is a wonderful church, not perfect. I'm not perfect, but he is. And as long as you're looking at him, there's no fault in Christ. Keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Aren't you ready to do that even now as we pray together? Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are any people here today, Lord, men, women, young people, teenagers, children, single people, elderly people, 
that have never placed their faith and trust in you, may this be the day that someone would come and say, I need Jesus. And Lord, it would be my humble privilege to pray with them a prayer that many of us have prayed called a sinner's prayer that really is just acknowledging our sin, asking for forgiveness, and beginning this journey of repenting from the old and walking in newness of life following you. Lord, I pray if there's Christians that have grown bitter, they've grown cold, angry, with unforgiving hearts, Lord, those things quench the Holy Spirit. May our hearts be right with you, God. May we love one another and forgive one another and encourage one another and not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, that it may be an encouragement to them and benefit those who listen. Lord, I pray if people are looking for a church home, it would be our joy to welcome them into this family of faith. God, we, we are so excited about what you're doing and seeing us through this difficult season and now, God, seeing a bright light on the other end of this dark tunnel we've been in. We are so grateful that we can be here to worship you and to serve you. So, Father, give us the boldness to step out and to trust you and obey you, and we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you, if you're in this place, to stand right now, and we're going to sing a hymn of commitment, an invitation. If you're watching from home or somewhere else, contact us. If we can pray with you or speak with you about your decision, but at this time, would you come as we sing together?
Amen. I want to thank you all so much for being here today and allowing the Spirit of God to be in this place. I'm so grateful for my brother and sister in Christ, Mike and Debbie Herod. Mike rededicating his life to the Lord and wanting to serve the Lord even more faithfully than he already does, which he's already a great servant. And Debbie made a beautiful statement that she and Mike had been through so many trials and tribulations and their 50 years of marriage, but God has prevailed. God is always faithful. And I was thinking about that, about the devoted women's conference, that flight she missed, that was the devil trying to deter, but he didn't win. My mic didn't work when I started preaching today, but we got batteries. The devil didn't win. And so expect challenges when you're trying to live for the Lord, but know that Christ brings victory. And we can overcome through his power and love. Thank you so much for being here. I invite you to come back tonight. There's a new Bible study for men and women if you would be interested. Uh, what is it called, Marcia? Forgiving what you can't forget. We also have the class praying scriptures over our children. And then there is also opportunities for our students if you want to come meet at 6 and our children at 6. Next Sunday night at 6, you all remember we've done packing parties for Harvest for Haiti. Now it's called Lifeline Ministries. And at 6 p.m., anyone who wants to come, it's a family event for our church. If you want to come pack meals for uh, Haiti, we'll be down the fellowship hall at 6 o'clock next Sunday night. But thank you all for being here. I hope you have a wonderful day today, and I pray you would leave here with God's blessings and his spirit in your heart. Bill, if you would close us in a song, then I'll pray. of a beautiful place called heaven. And may we live our lives fully surrendered to you so that we can be there together one day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.